revives the scorched spirit of human beings they purify the sinner and the life of the holy to hear them is itself auspicious and peace generating they are the real givers who spread thy name far and wide so as we will see that in the gospel of sri ramakrishna we were studying that portion where sri ramakrishna is speaking about the sadhana the practices which can lead to spiritual realization so the first thing which he was speaking one of the most important thing which he was speaking of is yearning so just to continue with his word continuing he said the words where we left in the last class let us read that line longing is like the rosy dawn after the dawn after the dawn out comes the sun longing is followed by the vision of god so here ramakrishna sri ramakrishna is just giving the example of the dawn so in the dawn what we see when the sun is yet to be seen early in the morning in the dawn the entire sky is just pervaded with that red hue we see that red hue the tinge of the redness the sun is yet to be visible but seeing that tinge of redness pervading the entire sky we know that it's a matter of few minutes the sun will be visible so sri ramakrishna is giving that example that yearning if you have tremendous yearning it has made you restless that i don't have the vision of god i don't realize all the spiritual truths are just make belief i am not satisfied with that is it true if it is true that's the way i see the things of the world i should realize the spiritual truth as in the words of shankaracharya it should be a fruit in my hand the way i sense it i feel it i can test it spiritual truth should be something like that it's in the words of shankaracharya it is karatala amalakavat you have a fruit in your hand it is just like that is it possible that was the question of sri ramakrishna he was not satisfied with the make belief we are satisfied with the belief systems god is how we know yes uh, the scripture says so have i realized so that was the burning question in sri ramakrishna's life and what what he is saying is actually 
a authentication is the authentication of his own realization in his life in his spiritual journey almost without any external help just with that intense yearning he realized the spiritual truth the divine he saw god if god as if face to face so that's what he's saying that longing is like the rosy dawn after the dawn out comes the sun longing is followed by the vision of god now he will be saying that what that intensity of yearning is it's just a little yearning we have and the next day we say i don't have any vision of god i do feel a bit of love in my heart but where there is no vision of god how come ramakrishna is saying that if once you have the yearning you know it for certain that the vision is just waiting for you i do have some yearning so now ramakrishna will be indicating that what that yearning actually means how intense it should be god reveals himself to a to a devotee who feels drawn to him by the combined force of these three attractions so now he is giving an example three attractions what are the three attractions the attraction of worldly possessions for the worldly man the child's attraction for its mother and the husband's attraction for the chaste wife you add this up all the three then that speaks of the tremendous yearning in this life we have experienced this type of either one or both or two or three all those three we have experienced if not the three at least one we have experienced what's that a miserly person's tremendous attachment for the wealth constantly throughout the day opening the mo- mobile phone and checking the bank balance in his so called this app in the app and how much money transactions throughout the day thinking of investing money so much attachment is there and the mother and the child we cannot cannot even think of uh, must this is life without the mother constantly throughout the day you will find it is attached to the mother there is a certain stage that infant cannot stay without mother it's impossible so child's love for the mother a worldly person's love for his wealth and a husband's life for his love for his chaste wife you combine these three that type of yearning is required so now you may say his ramakrishna is keeping for us a far off goal is it ever possible to have that type of yearning even in my life i find that i do have a devotion for the divine but it is in no way compared to that mad love of a man for his beloved that's what we feel or a child's love for the mother our love for god is there but we cannot compare with that and sri ramakrishna says you have you have to have that yearning which is the three taken together how is it possible so this is the thing which we were discussing sri ramakrishna was dis- discussing that once you resort to that taking the name of the lord nama nirjanvasat now and then now and then going in seclusion taking the name of the lord and be in holy company and to that and along with that to certain extent viveka always discriminating that the world after all is a passing phase it's transitory nothing is permanent and from that a sense of little detachment should come 
if you are practicing this five, after that he's speaking of this, this yearning is bound to come. You may say, how? That's the thing we were discussing at the very beginning when we started with the discussion of the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. That Sri Ramakrishna, at the very beginning, the first words which Mahindranath Gupta, the author of the gospel, heard from Ramakrishna is very interesting. That speaks of this yearning. That when you find that just by listening to the God's name or his divine glories or any discussion which relates to the divine, you find their emotions are welling up. Tears are flowing down your eyes. Know it for certain, you won't have to practice anymore. Your realization is going to dawn. That speaks of the tremendous yearning, the love you have developed. How? As we told, if you follow this five paths of, the, of which the first is very important, taking the name of the Lord. Of course, the Holy Company, Nidjanavasa, all those helps in taking the name of God. If I am in Holy Company, I automatically get motivated to take the name of the God. So taking the name of the God is primary. If I'm in seclusion, of course, I have more free time to take the name of the Lord. So taking the name of the Lord is primary. If I have the idea that the world is transitory, God is eternal. Of course, again, that will motivate me to take the name of the Lord. So again, the name of the Lord is the primary thing. Other things are all secondary. If with all the practices, I can resort to the practice of taking the name of the Lord as a form of repetition again and again. We, in the very beginning, were describing what's the psychological, what happens in our psyche through this sadhana, that all our likings, all our likings, Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel will be repeating again and again, that lust and gold is maya. These are the two cause of our bondage. Why? Those are the two essential things. Just study the life from bacteria till the human being. We are such a sophisticated being with so many faculties, but is there anything common with that simple microbe? Those are the two things. To procreate and to sustain myself, I have to have food. So it speaks of having resource, having food means to have resource. That is, speaks of wealth and procreate speaks of lust. So these are the two necessities, primal necessities. And Sri Ramakrishna is saying these two are the bondage. How it has become bondage? That our psyche, the, the limitation of our psyche is what, what you do again and again, out of necessity, most probably. It creates a path as you are traversing the same way again and again, just the way when you are walking on the same route in the lawn, in the park, you will find the grass gets dried up, a road is formed. Similarly, a path is formed in our mind when we are repeating the same thing again and again. And then what happens? Once the road is formed, we forget the necessity. We become obsessed to traverse by that path. We become obsessed. That's the nature of the mind. And then we start overdoing. Most probably it starts harming me. Now you will find that what Ramakrishna is saying has do make sense. That without lust and gold, without lust and wealth, I can never think of sustaining myself and the continuation of life. That's a necessity. But as it is going on through all the cycles of 
evolution in all the beings. It's the common thing. It has become such a deep groove in our psyche that it has become an obsession. We find all, what you say, that we color it with our emotion and it gets so intense, our yearning about it is that at last we find it has become so intense obsession that you open the newspaper, you open any TV channel, news channel, and whenever there's a, when, whenever there's a news of any crime, at last you just tell me if there's any crime which is beyond this two, lust and gold, not a single thing you will find. So what has happened? Our necessity has got converted into obsession. In the spiritual journey, we are taking help of that limitation of the mind. The limitation of the mind which has brought us spirally downwards. Gradually, spirally has taken brought us down and down and down. The same, the same uh, process of our psychology of our mind can be used to take us spirally upwards, outwards, to get rid of all the attachments that can be done. Just the common example we give that if you have to unlock a key, you have just to rotate the key in the opposite direction. In one direction, it gets locked. In the other direction, it opens. So the same mind can liberate you if you know how to use the limitation to go to transcend the limitation. So in all the spiritual traditions, is there anything common? Some may say Jesus is the only way. And you will find a lot of lectures that all others are of no use. That's the only way. Okay, let us stop there for a being. Or such and such is the only way. And after that, you don't stop there. What you prescribe, practice. Be devoted. Think of him every day in your life, in every activity. Now that's the thing which is common. You forget about the uh, so-called dogmatism. Now let us try to find out the common thing in all the religion. Is there any religion which doesn't speak of repetition of whatever may be your belief system? Repeat, repeat again and again, again and again. It's actually a wonderful way of, real, of resorting to that neuroplasticity. The same neuroplasticity I'm resorting to, which has actually limited me. Now it will help me to transcend all limitations. How? At the beginning, most probably I have no love for God, no yearning, nothing. But I use my willpower. I have been instructed by a spiritual illumined soul, a realized soul, or an advanced, one who is spiritually advanced in certain syllable, whatever it may be. And now I resort to repetition, repetition, repetition. And then what happens in time, this taking the name of the Lord, all other factors as we told are helping, seclusion helps, sadhu sangha, to be in company of all those who resort to the same practice helps, that motivates me. To a certain extent, the idea after the world is transitory, the Lord is the one who is eternal, that helps. So all those are helping in that practice you're taking. And then suddenly you will find one day, you're bound to find, if you resort to that practice without falling under the whims of your moods and temperaments, that today I don't feel I won't do. Uh, today, that, uh, today I did in the morning, tomorrow I again sit in the afternoon. 
No, our system you will find every day at lunchtime you find that you are hungry. Why? Once you resort to a routine, the body system programs its biological clock. At that time you will feel hungry. So similar thing happens with the spiritual practice. If you resort every day at a particular time, you will find whatever distractions you may have, somehow your mind has developed that biological alarm clock. It will as if impel you to go back to that practice. That's why particular hours are so important. Just the way you feel hungry at particular time, you have adjusted the biological clock that way. You go to sleep at particular time, you have adjusted the biological clock that way. Here also, you have to adjust the biological clock that at particular times, and the best time is in the dawn and in the dusk, when the nature itself is balanced, neither too much activity nor laziness. That's the time when you will find your mind is quiet, tranquil. Take the help of that time, resort to practice. And it becomes a part of your system. And then what happens? you will suddenly find that you have started developing a liking for it. At the beginning, it is very mild. As we were saying, it in no way can be compared with a child's love for its mother, a worldly person's love for his wealth, or a man's love for his chest wife. In no way it can be compared, it is very feeble. But know it for certain, you are safe now. This is going to increase. It won't be expended. The more you expend, the more deeper will be the groove, the more yearning will increase. How? As we told that all our obsession, all other obsessions, apart from this obsession, this new obsession which I have developed, they are linked with tension, anxiety. Why? Because they are all extraneous. My uh, what you say that for uh, this search for wealth, search for relationship, search for position in life, or th- this, what you say, this, this three, t- the, all the, our desires can be at last boiled down to this three, this uh, putreshana, vitteshana, and yashayshana. Your desire for procreation, desire for wealth, and desire for name and fame. So all these three, at last, what is the common factor? You will find that it is all, all these desires are linked with anxiety, with stress. What's that anxiety? What's the tension? What's the stress? That as long as I have not got it, they're all external to me. I I constantly have that worry, that anxiety. I may not get it. And once you got it, again, that anxiety, I may lose it. As what even our relationship, when when you are, are falling in love with someone, the constant tension is there. Maybe that love may not be reciprocated. And once you are in the relation, again that fear. Anytime the breakup may happen. Same thing with the wealth. Till I am, I don't have wealth. I may feel that I may not have, uh, somehow. I will not acquire wealth. And once I acquire wealth again, I may feel I may lose it. Same with name and fame. So this is a constant anxiety, fear, worry. This love which you have developed, taking the name of the Lord, you have developed the idea that God is, that belief has got ingrained in you 
and with the willpower, you are repeating the practice as you have been asked for. Now this repetition is also creating a groove and with the groove formation, the liking develops as we told, the moment the groove is formed, you will find your mind has a tendency to traverse to that. And that speaks of our liking. And this liking is something which is qualitatively different from all other likings. This is the thing which is not linked with worries, anxieties. Once you get it, no one can take it away from you. It's just matter of diving deep in contemplation. Even the world may be at wars, you may be in jail, you may be tortured, but no one can take away that bliss which you have started develop, developing. That moment I take the name of the Lord, the bliss ensues, wherever I may be, in whatever situation I may be, no one can take away from you. As in the song of Mirabai, that very wonderful lines are there. Kharche nahi koi, chor na leve, dina dina varat sabay. It cannot be expanded. No one can steal it from me. And the more I expand, the more it increases. It's a wonderful thing. The more you traverse that path, the more the groove gets deepened, the more the yearning develops. And as there is no, as we were saying that uh, anxiety and uh, worries linked with it. So you have a tendency to traverse this path more and more. And the other path starts falling off. So the other grooves gets dissolved and this group gets more and more deepened. Now you will understand that how that yearning is possible. Ramakrishna is not just saying something which is far beyond our goal. You start the practice. This yearning is bound to come. But, and as this yearning goes on increasing, the groove is getting deeper. All other things become shallow. Now we will find this intense, the yearning is so intense. Yes, this may not happen in one life, but know it for certain that the sanskara which we develop in this life, that little love which we have developed, it's not lost. You may forget all your skills which you have developed in this life. Again, I may be a, I have my, my stuff, I might have written lots of books that doesn't mean that next worth I will be just remembering them all. I will again have to start from ABCD. But one thing uh, is assured, what? My liking for studies, that cannot be taken away. I will be born in the next birth as a child prodigy, as a very fast learner. I will start from ABCD, but at a very fast rate because I have a yearning. That yearning cannot be taken away. That's the thing which is Transmit through the process of transmigration is transmitted. That sanskara can no one take away from you. No one can take away from you. And that speaks of that tremendous yearning developed in the course of time. And when that happens, that is the thing which can take you to the realization. Why? When this intense yearning, what happens? In when I am yearning anything intensely, I as you all know, we all know that. In the psychology, they, uh, that one theory is of this neuroplasticity and another idea in psychology in the modern psychology is of flow. When you are involved in a, anything fully concentrated, our mind has a limited power of processing information. When I am not that focused, just I am having a chit chat with you 
and someone calls me, I hear. Because just to continue with the chit chat, a small part of my mind is required. And you don't have to focus or totally on it. So the remaining mind is free. It can take care of other activities. But when, suppose I'm watching a movie, a suspense movie, and I'm totally engrossed in it. Someone calls me, I don't hear. Why? That most of the mind has been taken away by the scene of that, that suspense scene in the movie. And now very less portion of your mind is there to take care of other activities. So someone is calling, the sound enters your ear, but mind cannot process it because the mind has been totally engaged in what you are focused. So this focus, if it still increases more and more, as we find those who are passionate about our painting or a scientist in the laboratory doing research, so intensely absorbed in his research, we find hours have passed. He has forgotten that he needs to have food. He forgets that he's thirsty. He forgets he's tired. He forgets he needs sleep. Because all those are the bodily alarms. That alarm system has to be processed again by the mind. That mind has been so engrossed in the work, in the passion in which you are involved, that those things now cannot in any way draw the attention of their mind. The mind doesn't process it. So you find that the, these bodily activities are in no way disturbing you. You can continue for hours and the bliss that comes, up, comes out of it in no way can be measured with any of the sensual pleasures because the sensual pleasures have limitation. When I am enjoying a delicacy, which I like most, I have a one course of it. I will go for the second, maybe for the third, but then the satiation comes, you cannot continue. From the morning you were planning and you sit for that food in the, that from morning you were planning with the family, you will go to the restaurant. You were so excited and everything happens just in half an hour, it's finished. And then what will you do? So that, but here, this type of happiness, which comes from that absorption, that has as if no end. It's a far better happiness than the sense of pleasures. In spiritual life, with that intense yearning, this same thing happens. All the bodily feelings have fallen off. You're just absorbed in the focus, in the name of the divine, contemplation of the divine. So focused, you're so focused that all the bodily activities has fallen off. What is spiritual realization? At last it comes. If my mind can be focused intensely, you need not even have any belief system. You know, that's why some interesting things are there. Even in the performing arts, suppose by playing sitar, you can go deep into that play. It can liberate you, it can take you to samadhi. Because there is no need for belief system to go to samadhi. What is needed is to go beyond the ego. That ego is the limiting factor. The conscious principle somehow got localized in this body-mind complex and that is known as ego. That constant sense that I am this limited being. The moment you go beyond that, it will take you to the realization which cannot be spoken of. But you can realize it. As Sri Ramakrishna nicely used to say, Kamon ghi na jamon ghi. Can you ever explain the taste of butter or clarified butter? But do you know it? One who has tested it knows it. But you cannot explain it. The spiritual realization is something which cannot be explained. But it can be realized.
as sri ramakrishna so many places will say that a girl who became the mother for the first time and her other uh, companions companions the, those who were her uh, this mates before marriage they come and ask that what it's what it feels like to be a mother and her reply is you be the mother then only you can understand it's impossible to explain it can be realized so once you go beyond your ego in what by by holding to any practice it will give you the same realization that's why in sanskrit this you know the some of the dictums are wonderful they say sa kala ya vimuktai what is a performing art that can result to in in liberation ya vimuktai how by taking the name of the lord you can go to mukti and just by swami vivekananda is asserting if you can sing an ordinary sensual love song with that that intention with that intensity you can go to the realization that's why you will find in the spiritual life there's the those who have gone through the transformation it was just turning the direction you read the you read the life of st francis of assisi a highly sensual being throughout the night standing as a young boy standing uh, below the window of the girl on whom with whom she is he's in love and singing that's the present francis before the transformation that tremendous passion that tremendous intensity when got diverted towards god that took him to the realization that made him sent so its intensity is a very important thing that intensity what happens at last which you have developed through the practice what happens at last this the last bit of your mind which is always engaged with that same limited sense of your ego that never goes away that also is taken away when this three yearning comes together that's why he's giving that example a tremendous yearning at last brings the focus so makes the focus so intense that the mind loses the capacity even to hold on to the ego as sri ramakrishna used to say very nicely when someone asked him when shall i be free immediately his answer was when i cease to be that's the only thing that i has to cease to go to that realization and that's why that god realization is something waiting for you it's just like the yearning is like the red hue know it for certain that yearning at last is going to take away your ego and that's what the samadhi is what's the samadhi samadhi has been defined as triputi bheda that however at present however focused my mind be i know there are three components in my meditation dhyana dhyata dhyaya that the dhyata the one who is meditating that i am meditating i am the dhyata the object of meditation is the dhyaya the dhyaya and dhyana is the process which connects this two at present even when my mind gets focused i cannot get rid of these three components i know i am meditating on such and such thing what is samadhi they say when this triputi bheda this triad collapses you become one with the object of meditation why that i has fallen off the ego has fallen off that i am meditating that for that that little portion of your mind has to get has to be still associated with your limited sense of ego that has been taken away you become one with the object of meditation and that takes you to that realization and 
from from that when again if you come back to the your mind how you come back to your mind just at present to focus my mind in one object is so difficult because the distractions come and break that similarly in that state when you have gone beyond the mind your ego has fallen off but your subconscious mind is filled with that ekavritti ishtavritti that is now there is no question of worldliness the mind is pure full of god consciousness that god consciousness comes and again brings you to the level of you and me but you are a transformed person now there is no question of dwelling in the worldly sensed pleasures of life you have been totally over this what is overhauled your person has been overhauled you have been cleansed and purity becomes spontaneous and life becomes realization every moment becomes a realization and that's the thing you will now you will find that this neuroplasticity leading to flow can take you to that ultimate realization so this now let us read that yes this yearning is possible if we follow the practices which ramakrishna is prescribing which he is prescribing from his own life it's not any theoretical knowledge he has experimented them he made himself the laboratory and with that experimentation he got the result and with assertion with full conviction he's speaking these words that what he's saying it's not just mere make believe it's not just saying something which is impractical it is extremely practical which is saying that god reveals himself to a devotee who feels drawn to him by combined force of these three attractions the attraction of worldly possessions for the worldly man the child's attraction for its mother and the husband's attraction for the chaste wife if one feels drawn to him by the combined force of these three attractions then through it one can attain him so just see this few words but it speaks the whole gamut of spirituality the point is to love god even as the mother loves her child the chaste wife her husband and the worldly man his wealth add together these three forces of love these three powers of attraction and give it all to god then you will certainly see him so but after that something another wonderful thing is this spiritual journey is very subtle along with this attraction along with this tremendous love for god another thing is required a sense of surrender means as we told that with all our obsessions in one side anxiety and uh worries are linked that's we know that if we may not get it and once we get it we will lose it that is there another thing is there the tremendous clinging is there so here also in this new obsession those two are not there anxiety is not there but anxiety is not there worries are not there but the clinging the new thing which i have developed i developed a tremendous clinging to it so to get rid of the, the as long as it clinging this three factors should fall off on on one side this fight and flight response should fall off there's worries and tension and on another side the attachment also should fall off as in the yoga sutra they say that there are five kleshas five causes of afflictions the last three are the expressions the first two are the cause of that the next three are the effect 
for that avidya asmita rag dvesha abhinivesha from the ignorance comes that sense of ego i forgot my real nature from that comes the ego and once the ego comes the things which is favorable for my existence i get drawn towards it raga which is not favorable for my this limited existence i develop aversion which finds expression as fight and flight response so this fight and flight response we understood but how to get rid of this this is the thing which is common to all the obsessions as well as my spiritual journey i may get so attached to the of this path itself the realization may not be of importance to me so for that the let go is something which is very much required so that's the thing which sri ramakrishna will now speak it is necessary to pray to him with a longing heart the kitten knows only how to call its mother crying mew mew so that along with that calling something else he is now indicating that calling shouldn't with any with any expectation the uh, this the kitten knows only to call its mother crying mew mew it remains satisfied wherever its mother puts it and the mother cat puts the kitten sometimes in the kitchen sometimes on the floor and sometimes on the bed when it suffers it cries only mew mew that's all it knows but as soon as the mother hears this cry wherever she may be she comes to the kitten so actually as we told the entire gamut of the spirit of spirituality is being encompassed by the gospel of sri ramakrishna so many means not a single uh, what you say that the ideas in the spiritual texts you'll find it has been excluded in the sri ramakrishna's conversation in our scriptures they speak of two nyaya one is markata nyaya and another is a marjara nyaya markat means the baby monkey marjara means the kitten the young cat the small infant cat the kitten and the young monkey the baby monkey when the mother is jumping from tree to tree it is the baby monkey who clings to the mother and for the cat the sri ramakrishna gave that example it is simply it will cry mew mew that's the thing sri ramakrishna is saying and the mother will get hold of the child will just with her mouth she will get hold and carry her wherever she feels is necessary so she that the child is doing nothing it is just crying and it's assured of the fact that my mother will keep me safe i need not have to worry about it but for the baby monkey it's just the opposite it knows i have to cling to my mother if i lose if i just uh, let loose i fall so here this is the thing which is important that in our spiritual life that we develop love for god that's one thing but constantly what we do we take this world to be the goal and god is the means at last i don't want god i want good health i want a peaceful life i want uh, all the maybe in subtle way and i may not i may not want wealth but i want to have a good weather if the weather is not good at least the air condition should be there 
where no one should disturb me i should sit and take of the take the name of the lord and enjoy the bliss out of it so in scripture they say this is also an attachment this is sattvic sukha for this love which i have developed in this life most probably i have to take birth again and again to enjoy the bliss of the name of the lord in air conditioned room again and again you have to take birth for that condition that is also an attachment that is sattvic attachment is good it is much better than any other attachment that is also attachment we have to do let go that's been speaking of here that what's that let go actually speaks of see so, you know when you have climbed up a, when you climb up a tree when you climb up a tree now what keeps us on the tree on the branch of the tree our hold as long as you are holding to the branch of the tree you can stay on the tree if you leave the hold the gravitation will pull you down that gravitation is always acting on everyone but it doesn't allow us to fall why because we are clinging to the branch now suppose the branch in which you are clinging there are a lot of ants and other insects and it starts biting you and naturally that to get rid of the pain of the suffering uh, because of the bite of the insects of the ant what you do you jump to another branch and cling to it and that branch most probably is not infested by insects now you feel happy so in our spiritual journey sometimes that happens we still continue with our mind by jumping jumping from all the worldly so called our attachments to that attachment it's good it's not bad but that's not realization we are not allowing the gravitation to act on us once they allow the gravitation to act on us to fall no effort is required you just leave the hole gravitation will pull you down there is no effort required similarly the plan of the universe is such it is holding to something which has maintained my limited ego and is continuous making me continue in this limited sense that uh uh world the, the world the sunset world which i see which i hear which i smell which i uh touch in this i am continuing from birth after birth maybe as a bhakta i am continuing for births together still that though you are enjoying the life in that bliss that doesn't entail liberation to be in association with the divine you need not have to come down to this plane of existence where it is full of uncertainty why it is full of uncertainty you may say why by good karma i can get rid of all the evil effects it never this world you know the karma works in a wonderful way by karma i think that i can get rid of all evil effects it never happens this world is the world of uncertainty to just give an example the good karma i have learned driving so well i never commit mistake i never commit is good karma but can you assure that some other fool won't come and because of his mistake you won't be suffering can you assure so good karma has a limitation when you come down to this world of uncertainty you don't know you are at the whims and fancies of others sometimes they say that they, they explain the karma vada that way that in a train there is a major accident all die did all those people had bad karma many ask no no they had good karmas but again this is also true as you have came down to this world of uncertainties sometimes this it may find expression as accident where your good karma has a limitation it cannot go beyond certain extent just the way 
that your good driving doesn't entail that there won't be any accident. You won't meet any accident. However good driver you may be. Because the once you are in road, you are more prone to uncertainties. As long as you are at home, your uncertainties are less. The moment you are out of home and the road, uncertainties are more. Similarly, when we live in that subtle plane of existence, uncertainties are less. Here in this world, it's more. So if I think as a devotee, I will continue birth after birth. Know it for certain. I cannot get rid of those uncertainties. Life can take just a devastating turn at any time. You cannot assure. So I have to go beyond that. And for that, that let go is an important thing. Why? As that same example, let us say that in a tree, I have most probably got rid of the branch which is infested by the insects and have jumped to another branch, which is giving me pleasure. I'm just enjoying the fruits of that, which has ripened in that branch and I'm happy. But the real, our oneness with the divine is to let go and allow the gravitation to take you down. So in Bhagavad Gita, in the 15th chapter, the tree has been inverted. Urdha Mula Avak Shaka. The branches are below. The root is on the top. The spiritual identity is on the top. So here what happens? If you leave the hold, the grace is always there. Just the way the gravitation is pulling us down, spiritually the grace is always there acting on each and every one of us. God's, if, if God's grace is conditional, it cannot be grace. It is unconditional. It is acting all of us on all of us. It is our hold, clinging to the branches of life. It may be the gross branches or it may be a branch, so-called spiritual devotion. If I'm clinging to it, at last that final, uh, what you say, that quantum jump in the spiritual journey, that grace takes you when you let go, that won't happen. And as long as that doesn't happen, we are all vulnerable. That in this life, when we find that I am happy and I think, why not continue with it? We forget. You are just the 5% of the population who is enjoying the, the, what do you say, the security of life. Just look out. War, tension, famine, the most of the population who can guarantee that you will be again in this 5% and you will be enjoying the bliss of life. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that khali pete dharma when you are hungry, you cannot think of religion. If you are in that dire circumstances, where is where going to be a religious practice? Everything falls off. So Jo Shokore, somehow, Sri Ramakrishna's examples are wonderful, that those who are really spiritually illumined, they are like the Homer bird. That's a, it's a mythological bird. It flies very high up in the sky and it lays its egg whilst flying. And the egg starts falling. It's so high. When it's falling, when it is about to fall in the ground and crash, then the egg hatches and the bird comes out. And the bird finds that, uh, that if I don't fly up, I will crash and die. That before touching the ground, it flies off. It's a myth mythological. The idea is that this world somehow is like the place where the homo bird, if falls, will be crashed. If we have that sense, then our spiritual journeys, our spiritual intention becomes something different. That just to have a life where I take the name of the Lord, I enjoy a little bliss. I don't stop there. 
as sri ramakrishna used to get terribly annoyed when someone used to sing a song a particular song what's the song the words are very nice hari prem se lag hari prem se lage raho re bhai tera banat banat bani jai just go on taking lord's name today or tomorrow something will happen and sri ramakrishna immediately will come and say you rascal that's was his word you just say that sometime it will happen it has to happen now immediately so that type of that tremendous resolution you should have because after all this life that which we are enjoying is full of uncertainties any time it can change take the name of the lord and think of your existence in a different plenary existence so that you need not have to continue in this world of uncertainty where you can never be assured your happiness peace with all your karmas can never be assured any time anything can happen any time the things may change your sanskaras may help you to come back from it soon but it doesn't ensure that you won't be in dire consequences so that's why you find that wonderful thing is speaking of that sharanagati let go if can we do that then automatically the grace is always there as sri ramakrishna used to say that just raise the sail of your boat the wind of grace is always blowing kripar batash boiche jore pal tule de that raise the sail the grace is blowing so that's the thing we have to raise the grace here what's the raise the grace as the sharanagati that that should come that constantly thinking that god should be pleased with me because after all i am thinking i am all constantly thinking of him contemplating on him that expectation shouldn't be there as shankaracharya in one of the shlokas in the commentary of bhagavad gita where it speaks of nishkama karma shankaracharya how nicely he is mentioning that what that nishkama karma means ishwaropi tushyatu iti sangam tyaktva that lord be very kind to me be pleased with me that as i am this traversing in a very nice way in this by taking his name by contemplating on him so he should be pleased on me even this attachment shouldn't be there then what should be our attitude as holy mother used to say that i have renounced the worldly way of life but my mind has to be engaged in something so i am just taking the lord's name whether god will grace me will he come will just come and bless me and will i have realization that's not in my hand but at the same time i have understood that the so called the sensitive pleasures of like the ordinary ways of life is not going to give me happiness so i've renounced them but i have to keep my mind engaged in something so that's why i take the name of the lord nothing else so this is the thing you will find in our life we sometimes commit the same mistake as per our happiness is concerned in our spiritual life which we do in our day to day life what we do for us happiness is always a future tense as a small child our parents say study well you will be happy study well uh, you will get a good job and you will have lot of wealth you will be happy so that's where he went to this first i first uh, what was the first jump required i have to go to a selective school there i get the good environment for studies there you go you find lot of competition then the parents says no not here actually you have to go to some good engineering college medical college you will be happy goes there struggling competition studying 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 now if you get a good job after that you will be happy after you get a good job 
get married, have a family, you will be happy. You're married, you have children. And then the, you find by the time the child has grown up, you don't know how the time has passed. Your all your beard, your hair have gone gray. And now at last exhausted, we think, oh, the life has gone. I have to think of God. Why? After death, I will be in heaven. I will be happy. So always happiness is future tense. We forget that if I let go, allow the bliss which is within me just to come out. Why it doesn't come out? All the expectations are like the waves of the mind, which doesn't allow the bliss factor to percolate through it. The bliss gets percol is filtered out by the waves of the mind. They filter out. When the mind has no wave, the bliss immediately percolates. It is not in fulfillment of desires we get happiness. It is the desirelessness which gives us happiness. When I am desiring something intensely and I get it, I feel happy. What has happened? When I was desiring, my mind was totally turmoil. It was total, it was full of wave. I want it, I want it. The moment you get it, there's no wave for the time being. A let go has ensued. You think that the, that thing has given you happiness, but that's not the truth. The truth is your let go has ensured. The mind for the time being is calm. Happiness is welling from within. As long that let go continues, it wells. And then again, a new desire comes. We never stay with that. And again, the mind is uh, breaking into that uh, tension. In, in India, I was in school for a long time. After the result was out, the students were elated. So good marks, 97, 98% marks they got. So happy. And the next day, they are in the line in the university. Because in India, it's a huge competition. Even with good marks, you may not get chance in the course in which you want to study. And you find that your marks are not sufficient. Again, you are tensed. Gone. That happiness, little happiness is gone. So that's what is happening in our life. Again and again, the new desires comes. That let go. Sense, uh, that, that bliss which we are enjoying because of let go that is gone. If that let go can be kept, then shoes. The grace is working. That's the law of life. Get rid of the tensions. The bliss is something which is no more filtered. It, you find it expression through your life. So that's the thing. That's the idea of Sharanagati. Don't plan. Don't go on thinking what's going to happen. In our life, we, one thing we are, should be sure of, that we have no control over our past. There is no replay button in life. That, oh, I have done some mistake. Let me go there and edit it. What's done is done. You cannot edit it anymore. But we go on thinking why I have done it. What's the use of it? Can you change it? We cannot change it. We can never change the past. We worry about the past. We can never make our future. Can you with full certainty say what is going to happen to you tomorrow? No. No one of us can say us. But we go on thinking of future. But what is in our control, that's where we are missing. Present. This moment, what I will do with this moment is totally in my control. And we being in present, when we have the control over it, we are not thinking over it. We are thinking over the past or the future. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say, let the dead bury the dead. That what has been the bygones be bygones. Let the dead bury the dead. What, what is dead, you need not think of it. Let the dead take care of it. That's the idea. Be at present. 
And that's if I'm at present, the automatically the future takes its course. So that's the idea of let go. So in our life, one of the major thing is that sometimes we segregate between the spiritual life and our secular life. And that creates unnecessary tension. That when I will somehow get rid of my activities and go to my spiritual practice. That is a, a type of expectation. I'm trying to cling. Instead, what I'm supposed to do? Jan Sadhan Tan Siddhi. When Swami Vivekananda went to Pauhari Baba, he found interesting thing. Pauhari Baba was a realized soul, but all the ordinary jobs he himself used to do meticulously. After his worship, all the brass utensils, copper utensils, he will polish for, 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 for about for, uh, hours together to make it shining. Swami Vivekananda was puzzled. He never understood that why a realized soul has to just go on with all these activities and that also so meticulously. He went and asked that how come this, all these ordinary activities you, find you, are, you are engaged in? What he told was something which Swamiji, for Swamiji it was a realization. He told Jan Sadhan Tan Siddhi that whatever you are doing, think that alone is the thing which is your goal. When you are washing the utensil to make it shining is your goal. Forget everything else. Jan Sadhan Tan Siddhi. What you are doing, that itself is going to give you the ultimate uh, Siddhi perfection. That's my goal. What's happening? You're dwelling in the present. There's no worries, no tension. Mind is focused. Even in that ordinary job. Let us take this. That Sharanagati, how's the idea of Sharanagati? God has now placed me in this situation. Neither sick nor avoid. Let me focus on it fully. Without thinking, without planning. Go on it. That speaks of the Sharanagati. And then, that's why we always, uh, that our senior Swamis always say, that if you don't get time, for your spiritual practice because of some assignments which you cannot avoid. At the beginning of the assignment, take the name of the Lord and say, Lord, you have placed me in this situation. This, whatever I do, I will offer it to you as an offering instead of uh, uh, what is it, doing some rituals and offering you in the form of incense and fruits. This work will be the offering. At the end, again, thank God. Okay, this worship is over. I don't want the result. As in at the end of our ritual worship, we say Sri Ramakrishna Panamastu. That if any I result, if I accrue any good result out of this worship, I offer it to you. I have offered the fruits, I have offered the incense. Now at the end of the worship, the fruits which I accrue because of all this, that also I offer it to you. As Holy Mother, every very interesting, these stories are so interesting. Holy Mother every day used to go to take a dip in the Ganges when she was in Udbodhan. She used to stay in Calcutta. Uh, that residence where she used to stay from there, the Ganges was near. And while coming back, there were some beggars. For them, she used to take some fruits. And she will give them the fruits. And she, she will say, Fall dawar faltau tomake dila. That the, all the fruits I accrue by giving fruits, all the, that also I give it to you. So that's what she used to say. So that's the idea that everything I give. And then that work itself becomes your spiritual practice. You find your mind is at peace. You are not, neither dwelling in the past, nor dwelling in the future. Taking that to be your spiritual practice, fully resigning to the divine, you do that. So now you will see these words of Ramakrishna does make a lot of sense. It speaks of your entire life as a spiritual journey. 
You need not have to segregate. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, for most of us, our spiritual life is just before breakfast. And for most of us, those who are a busy person have to go for work. What we do, that yes, we wake up early, take our, have a shower, nice shower, and we have some uh, separate cloths for entering into the uh, small shrine room, which I have in my house, most probably. I wear those cloths, enter that room, and I have fixed practices, burn incense, and then meditate for some time, chant for a while. I'm as if in a different world. I come back, change my clothes, wear the tie and coat, and now I'm ready for going for my work. And before that, I sit on the dining table for my breakfast, and I'm a different person. So Sri Ramakrishna is how nicely saying that our religion, our spirituality is before breakfast. We as if make a yet tight compartment between the spiritual and the secular. That need not be. The entire life can be spiritual. Nothing need to be secular. And that actually encompasses your entire life. You need not have to search for that segregation. It is not possible for all of us. We know it very for certain that in life, we do have our responsibilities. Then what about our spirituality? It can be practiced. If that Sharanagati is there, if you read the life of Girish Ghosh, that's the idea we will find. When Girish Ghosh is saying that my life is so hectic, when Ramakrishna is asking him that why not uh, uh, just take the name of the Lord in the morning, he says, no, not possible. While before going to sleep, I don't know at what uh, in what situation I will be. I have so many lawsuits and other things. I cannot assure you. So at last, Ramakrishna is saying, "Okay, just surrender to me. That uh, that uh, make me that uh, what do you say that bakalma in Bengali says the bakalma that just make me your trustee, just like a small child when it becomes orphan." There will be some trustee to take care of the child. So maybe make me your trustee. I am there to take care of you. So that's the idea. That's a very wide idea. We will come to that idea some in some other context. And that speaks of Sharanagati. So don't, for most of us, we say that may this thy will be done. Thy will be done. But what we don't say it is in the bracket, thy will be done in my way. And we suffer throughout our life. If we can really just surrender that in whatever condition God has kept me, he knows best why he has kept me. When he has kept me in a jovial situation, I am happy. When not in some very tiring situation, then also I am quite at peace with myself. Because after all, I know, like the kitten, I know mother after all is always thinking of my welfare. In whatever place she keeps me, at the most I do mew mew, nothing more than that. And mother decides where to take me and carry her. So that's the, so you see how wonderful this few words actually speaks a lot, the huge gamut of spirituality. And that's what the master is speaking of. So we continue uh, with the gospel again in the next class uh, from the next section. Thank you all. Namaskars.